everyone. How are you? Welcome back. This is our second episode of the Attic Podcast. And today we've got a lot to talk about. A lot, a lot to talk about. Last night we had our big midterm elections and Negs is here with me. Hello, Negs. Hello. Looks like it was more of a red ripple as opposed to a wave. A red ripple, a red, some people are calling it a red mirage instead of a red wave. (laughs) Um, You and I had many, many, many conversations leading up to the election. And uh, we were both, you were very cheerful and I was a little bit more not cheerful, I guess you could call it. Um, And yesterday, starting yesterday or the day before, I started looking at the numbers And I was beginning to wonder what was going on because the numbers were so wildly inconsistent. Nothing was holding firm. Um, I knew, as I told you, I think, that um, Trump voters tend to be undercounted uh, in political polls. We don't know why, uh, but the numbers tend to be suppressed when it comes to polling. So I thought, okay, well, we're definitely going to see Um, a significant flip in the House and the Senate, and that flip did not happen at all. Damn it. (laughs) I'm looking at a website called Mm -hmm. 270towin.com. They're following everything in real time. And Jesus Christ, I mean, like, uh, oh, this is the results as of right now. How long does this take? Let's get on with it. Yeah, a lot of the Western states, um, those those house races out West are squeakers, squeakers. And um, the final tally uh, right now, it is about 1220 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Wednesday, the day after the election. And we still do not have a final count of the Senate and the House and the final breakdowns. We still have no idea. And a lot of those seats in California, Arizona, well, I think that I think that all the Colorado races were decided and Bobert's uh, race was still up in the air, but it looks like she's losing, which would be a huge, huge loss uh, for Team MAGA. But um, one of the takeaways today, anyway, is that a lot of Donald Trump's candidates did not fare so well next. They didn't do so well. Yeah, uh, well, Fetterman got the Oprah uh, endorsement. So mm-hmm. I think that that was a, pr- a pretty big boost, but that what's funny is she created Dr. Oz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. You know, I mean like that's, <laughs> you know, I mean, even, even, even Frankenstein loved his monster. How about that? Well, um, the thing about Fetterman, and this is something that people don't really, um, they don't really follow unless they follow election uh, election numbers very closely. Fetterman has been in the lead the entire time. And so, and Fetterman is actually a native of Pennsylvania. Fetterman served yeah. as a politician in Pennsylvania. There are ways to be a carpetbagger and Dr. Oz did it exactly the wrong way. Um, and all of the attempts that he made to sort of relate to the common man uh, fell flat. Um, he came in with an enormous amount of baggage uh, because he is, I mean, even though he's a, a Harvard-educated cardiologist who was at one time very distinguished in his field, he's made a name for himself in a fortune, peddling a lot of quackery on his TV show. And a lot of people just saw him as a complete and utter phony. Um, And I thought, I mean, look, I remember you and I having conversations after that debate that he had with Fetterman, and it was kind of assumed that Fetterman was done, that he was finished. Yeah. But um, the campaign was very, very upfront about Fetterman's health issues. Uh, I think that if Fetterman had been running for president, he probably would have been out. But it's a Senate Uh... seat, you know. (laughs) Let's be honest here. He wouldn't. I don't know, he'd have, man. He, he'd, have been know. A, he'd have been a shoe in. They'd been like, <laughs> all we got to do is blame it on the stroke. That's all we got to do. Um, but yeah, so I thought he, I thought he yeah, was sorry. done because I thought he was done just because he's obviously sick. Right. And, but, you know, hey, whatever you want to elect a sick person, that's cool. We had a president in a wheelchair once. I'm sure it'll be fine. Right. And he's going to be one of a hundred. 
Okay, the president is one of one. Um, so, and plus Fetterman, like I said, Fetterman has a whole record to run on. And I heard something very interesting today that the Oz campaign tried to hammer him as being soft on crime, but unfortunately the ad buy happened at exactly the wrong time because um, the, the state had two winning teams at the time and people were so excited about the two winning teams. I know nothing about sports. If you guys could help me, help me out here. But people were celebrating and they were so happy with the winning records of those two sports teams that those messages of soft on crime just kind of went over everybody's heads. So they probably waited too long to run those ads. And that was a misstep on the part of Dr. Oz. Jeez Louise. Right. Oh, well, well, you know, I mean, who? well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like choosing between the giant douche and the turd sandwich, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as one of um, as one of the guys said, who was interviewed in a documentary about the race between Chuck Robb and Ollie North, he was asked who he was voting for, and he said, "Well, it's sort of like choosing between the measles and the mumps. It's just a question of how you want to be sick today." I've always loved that. <laughs> right. Oh man, I'm looking at my state. I guess we didn't mm -hmm. have a whole lot going on, huh? Right. Um, I. I have been full, full transparency here, total transparency. I <clears throat> did not vote. Um, my, <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> my registration, my status got hemmed up because I moved. So um, it was a little too little too late. I got the change in, but it takes like a week. And this is the second year this has happened to me. Uh -huh. um, last year, I accidentally registered in my previous county. And uh, they're like, well, you could drive over there and vote. I'm like, but I don't live there. I want to vote in the local election. You know, so. Right. Right. I'm not going to go drive in my previous city and fudge up their election. <clears throat> right. Right. So here here's one of my takeaways. And this will make you very happy, Negs. <clears throat> so I'm going to make you happy. OK, so one of the things that was proven um, last night is that from now on, it would be a huge mistake to refer to Florida as a purple state or possibly going blue. Florida is a red state. The mm -hmm. end. The Three. end. Um, DeSantis's win over Charlie Crist was enormous, the, a huge margin. Uh, Charlie is a very, very nice guy, but I think that he just needs to stop running. I think it's over. <laughs> I think that he's turning into like the Beto O'Rourke of Florida. Uh, <laughs> I know he's already served mm. once, which is more than I can say for Beto, but it's it's done. And DeSantis is DeSantis is a powerhouse in Florida. And yes. to take away from him would be a huge mistake. The question is, though, Trump says he's going to make a big announcement on November 15th. What is he going to announce? And if he announces he's running, then that means that DeSantis, DeSantis can't run against him. It's impossible. He can't challenge him in the primary. No, no, he would, it would, no. And uh, I don't think Floridians would be too happy with him taking time away to run against Trump. So, um, right. But by the way, uh, Beto O'Rourke, is that his, is his name? Beto, he, yeah. Be Beto O'Rourke, is he the, uh, is he the <laughs> Latino Irishman? What the heck's with that? What's going on there? Listen, I, I, I have to say this is someone. Um, oh, Negs, where did you go? Negs dropped out. Negs dropped out. I don't see him. He'll be coming back. For those of you who are just listening to the audio, I just lost my partner, but he will be back, I am sure. Um, okay, so hang on. <laughs> Negs, you are there. Good. Uh, yeah, I got excited and hit Leaf Studio. It was a Freudian <laughs> slip. It's like, get me out of here. It's politics. Um, there was some very cringy footage of Beto trying to suck up to the Latino vote in Texas. Suffice to say that um, when politicians try to go native, it usually doesn't work well for them. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't think Beto is a bad guy. I just wish that he would stop pandering because it's very, it, it's very cringy. Very, can, very can I just say that, that, that Beto O'Rourke, he is missing out on the novelty bottle opener market. You know, that would be a perfect campaign thing. Just, you know, I'd get, make keychains that are bottle openers, 
and it's just a bobblehead of him. I think he needs to get a DNA test and figure out if he really is a long lost Kennedy. Um, I, I swear to you, the guy looks like he could be one of Bobby Kennedy's long lost grandkids or something. Um, <laughs> Poor, so, <laughs> he's so unfortunate looking. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's very toothy. He is. He is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I said, he, he and Natter could kill it on the novelty bottle opener circuit. <laughs> So one of the things that I thought was going to happen didn't happen yet, although there are there were murmurings in the beginning uh, or earlier yesterday in Arizona, Carrie Lake, who is um, one of Trump's handpicked candidates, mm -hmm. uh, who is running for governor. And I'm not sure what the status is of her race, but um, there were there was talk. Uh, coming from people like Charlie Kirk, that there was some weird stuff going on in Maricopa County. I guess Charlie forgot to check and see that all the election officials in Maricopa, Maricopa County are Republicans. I don't know why they would try to tamper with the vote, but be that as it may. Um, but it, it wanted it brought up a, a point that I had wanted to make, which is that um, if anybody is going to claim voter fraud or going to start demanding recounts, or um, start, uh, or somebody who could have declared victory before all the votes were in, it would have been Carrie Lake. She would have been my pick. And I wanted to remind the audience of one very important thing, and that is people associate um, the sore winner or sore loser uh, type with Donald Trump. They associate him with it, and the shoe fits. Let's not, you know, let's yeah, he's not. Sore loser, you know, yeah. However, however, I want to remind everyone that the person who started the ball rolling on this particular talking point back in 2016 was Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders uh, was the one who was accusing the DNC of rigging votes, primaries, caucuses in favor of Hillary Clinton, favoring Hillary Clinton. Um, his supporters, who I think are on the opposite side of the coin of uh, of MAGA, but they're pretty much the same mentality. They're they're also a cult, the Bernie cult. Uh, right. We're accusing the DNC of all manner of of uh, chicanery when it came to the vote count. So it was actually Bernie who injected this talking point into the political bloodstream. Damn you, Trump Bernie. Yeah, thank you, Bernie. Thank you. And Trump just picked up the ball, ball and ran with it. Um, but um, Carrie Lake was starting to make noises that there was something fishy about the vote. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what's going to happen if she loses. I'm guessing she's going to ask for a recount. I have absolutely no idea. But yeah. she is actually on my short list for people that Trump would pick as a running mate if he does run again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that was even she that was even asked of her. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm looking at that race right now between Lake and Hobbs, and it's close, like ten thousand yep. votes, and only seventy three percent of the vote is counted. Right. So it's that'll very be an interesting one because I've been mm -hmm. I've been watching and listening to Carrie Lake over the uh, over this 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 campaign, and um, I know that a lot of it's bread and circus. They're out there just telling you what you want to hear. But I got to mm -hmm. say, I agree with a lot of what she says. I don't I don't care so much for the interjection of God, but I have personally devised that so it's consumable by me because people reference God a lot. And I just feel like, you know, God is whatever you make it and it's not mm -hmm. a negative. So. Right. Um, yeah, it's uh, damn. Did they stop counting votes or they just stop updating? And this has been 73% for hours. Right. I know. I know. I've been trying to refresh too, and I'm not seeing any updates either. Um, I don't know why the vote count is so slow out West, but it's very, very, very slow. It's the heat. Um, very, <laughs> a lot of undecided races still in California. Uh, the last time I checked and Nevada was also still very close. Um, there's a funny story, by the way, the Nevada Senate race, absolutely hysterical. So Adam Laxalt has a very distinguished political last name in Nevada. His grandfather served as uh, the senator uh, 
for many, many, many years. He represented Nevada in the Senate for many years. But Adam has a funny story because Adam, you don't see this very often, but every now and then you have a candidate that comes out. The, um, the family endorses the opponent. And that's what happened to him. Um, his family had come out in full force to endorse his opponent. And I was wondering why in the world, why in the world would the Laxalts of all people who are usually a pretty tight clan, why would they not endorse him? There are all kinds of accusations about him being an opportunist, and they pretty much hate his guts, but he has an interesting backstory. So when his grandfather was a senator, he served with another guy named Pete Domenici, who represented New Mexico. Pete Domenici had an affair with Paul Laxalt's daughter, and the child is Adam Laxalt. So he is the son of a senator's daughter and a senator. It's a funny, funny story. It was a huge scandal at the time. I don't know if that's why they don't like him. I doubt it, but I'm just saying that it's it's just kind of an interesting buy story. So well, the fact that's that mean. Some, yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> can't help it. None of us chose to be born. <laughs> Won't y'all practice safe sex and prevent all this future trauma? <laughs> got Beto over there not knowing how he got them teeth. It's horrible. Then we have the situation in Georgia, which is headed to a runoff, which is how um, Warnick got elected in the first place. Um, the Georgia race is very interesting because um, that one is still undecided. It'll probably be decided at the runoff, probably next month, I think. Um, but you had the Republican governor reelected against Stacey Abrams. She did not, uh, she was not in her bid and what's well, very interesting you know yeah, it's, not, it's not entirely her fault she you know ate up most of the campaign funds so oh nags <laughs> i mean you can't campaign on golden corral receipts what you do have there though is you have a republican governor who would not bend to trump's will uh trump tried to suggest that there that um the secretary of state and the governor try to basically fix the election, go back and recount the votes and recount the votes in a way that would favor him, which is one of the reasons why Lindsey Graham is in trouble. He was sticking his nose into that affair. Um, but Brian Kemp is not MAGA. Brian Kemp is an old school Republican. And Brian Kemp was reelected, despite the fact that he went against Trump. So the, the trend that you're seeing across the country is that Trump did not do as well in terms of his candidate picks. I mean, J.D. Vance won, but that was sort of a foregone conclusion that he would get elected in Ohio. He's right. a native son. He's a celebrity. He had a now, lot of money behind him. About uh, he was, uh, Lindsey yeah. Graham, is, is mm -hmm. he the one who can't enter a men's restroom without dropping his campaign funding website? <laughs> Like every time I hear that man speak, he's like, oh, you need to go to lindsaygram.com. And, and I'm like, okay, dude, calm down. <laughs> Poor Lindsay. <laughs> Sorry, I had some quarters in my pocket you didn't get. Here you go. <laughs> so that was uh, that was another thing um, that that was interesting was the Georgia race. So these these MAGA candidates. Um, I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene won, but that wasn't exactly a surprise. If Lauren Boebert loses, that's going to be a huge surprise. That's a huge setback. Um, but these handpicked candidates are not working out so well. So for all the people who were saying that if there was a red wave, that Jamie Harrison had to get fired from the DNC, I was one of them, by the way. I was joining in on that chorus. I think that now the party that has the serious problem is the Republican Party. They have a serious problem. You know, um, Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, uh, has had to suck up to Trump because reasons. Yeah. Um, he loathes Trump. He has told people behind the scenes that he hates him. He thinks he's dangerous. He thinks he's a buffoon. Um, but for right now, these politicians do have to go hat in hand to this man. And what they're doing is they are 
they're obviously fan servicing. They're catering to a base that's very, very important to them because they're more energized than regular Republicans are. They're the ones who get out to vote. Um, but at the same time, the, the candidates that they favor do not have wider appeal to the, to the wider electorate. That is a huge problem. And people like Mitch McConnell know it. Kevin McCarthy knows it. They all know it, but they don't know what to do about it. So that's a big problem. Oh, man. I just realized the, the depth of my uh, knowledge on this is, in, is comedic. <laughs> It's I'm I'm looking at this map and I'm like, OK, cool. Pretty colors. But I get a kick out of out of campaign season because they just mm -hmm. go buck wild. The yep. shit they say about one another is wild. Right. Y'all like y'all on YouTube complain about people calling you selective names. You know, <laughs> shit. Get into politics. I'm ready yep. for politics now after being yeeted from YouTube. I'm, I've been primed. I'm trained. Let's do I'm it. I'm telling you, Negs, I swear to God. You do not understand how much leeway you get when you run for office. It is amazing. Absolutely amazing. And mm. I think it's something that you should definitely consider. Definitely consider. I am. I've already, uh, I'm going to run on that. My campaign slogan is going to be, yeah, I did that. And. <laughs> do you know how you would set yourself apart from other candidates if you actually took that approach because nobody wants to take responsibility for anything in politics i mean fucking herschel walker was out there denying that he had knowledge of one of the women who came out to accuse him he said he didn't know who she was and she had one of his children i mean <laughs> you <laughs> yeah that might happen a time or two yeah just buckle up for that Hey, my baby, get out of here, Walt. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> yes, the meth head on the run is indeed my cousin. Yes. <laughs> uh, there was there were some other races that I wanted to talk about, um, but so there's no update on Arizona yet, right? No. No, I'm oh. go back down. I can't believe this Hobbs woman wouldn't even like debate. That was just, I don't know. Like she was like, she's going to yell at me, call me names. And I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, you're an adult. Okay. And you want to run a state. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Let me just, let me just put my youngest in charge of, of Arizona. Well, you know, there are very clever things that you can do when your opponent refuses to debate. Um, and I've seen this done and it's, it's good. You can't overuse it, but when it's done strategically, it's great. What you do is you say, okay, well, I'll show up. The other person doesn't show up. So you've got an empty podium. You're by yourself. You just stand there and you pontificate for an hour and take questions. It's amazing. You get free coverage on a free press conference. Your opponent looks like a complete coward. It's a fantastic visual and uh, it will, it will serve to your benefit. You know, I've done that by inviting people on my panel and they don't show up. There you <laughs> I'm go. like, well, I'm going to roast you for an hour now. Mm -hmm. Oh, I wanted to point out what um, one of the commenters in chat is saying. Um, there was a huge, huge decisive flip in Michigan. Not only did the governor win re-election, but both houses of the legislature flipped for the first time since, I believe, 1983. Um, so something is going on out there. And I am convinced that this is the kind of momentum uh, the Democrats will squander with total professionalism. <laughs> <laughs> they are experts at snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, one thing that is that is true that we saw was that voter registration among women exploded by like three and sometimes 500, sometimes a thousand percent. Women were rushing to register to vote. Now, does this mean that they voted? There's a difference between registering to vote and actually going to the voting booth. Right. But there was, they were tremendously energized going into, into, uh, into election day. Um, the Latino vote was also very interesting. That is also going to be a very decisive vote. I did see something interesting, Negs, that I thought would interest you, okay. which was that um, 
even though a lot of Latinos are switching parties and find more in common with the GOP, there are some issues uh, that they do that they are not in total agreement on with the GOP. And one of them, interestingly enough, is guns. Um, they are far more uh, Latino voters are far more open-minded when it comes to gun control than other Republican voters. Hmm. And they don't have the same, um, in other words, they're not as um, vehement and as energized over this question of the Second Amendment as other Republican voters. And we're talking by like 30 percentage points. So that's hmm. a huge difference. I just thought that was interesting. That is interesting. I wonder what, so they're, for gun, for more gun control, are yes. more are okay. That, um, that it must be just, like you know a lot of these political ideations and everything are are culturally inbred into us from childhood. So maybe they just grew up, you know, in a different type of uh, culture within that home. Because I know myself personally, living in a red state and growing up around rednecks, uh, we're all about guns. You know, we want right. And, and we got what we wanted, and that was constitutional carry. Right. Um, we do not believe in gun control because then that just basically puts the that mean look, criminals don't follow the law. Mm -hmm. So there's that. I mean, right. case in point, I got this little we got this 145 pound meth head running around in crawl spaces and false walls in in my <laughs> county. He stole a sheriff's truck yesterday. So Beautiful. you know, criminals don't follow the law. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I will say this, though. I will tell you this and I will tell the audience this. When I drive to and from Indiana every other week, um, I how can I put this? Um, what I saw, what I see on the way to and from Indiana um, gives me a very skewed perspective of what the country is like. It's just as skewed as it is staying in DC or going to the major cities. Mm -hmm. um, because on the way I go through Western Maryland, Eastern Pennsylvania, um, all the way through Ohio, uh, parts of West Virginia, and then eventually I get to Indiana. And all that I see on the way there are Trump Penn signs that are left over or mm -hmm. Trump 2024 signs. The, in other words, the route that I take is Trump country, 1 million percent. And so when you are driving for eight and a half hours and all that you see is Trump, 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 you start to think, well, this is very interesting. Let me pull over and let me have a conversation at the gas station, or let me pull over at the Waffle House or the coffee shop, which is what I do. I do, I talk to people on the way there and on the way back, just to see how other how people outside of Washington think. However, the conversations that I've had in Pennsylvania, where I would see a lot of Doug Mastriano signs, who's running for governor, he lost by a gigantic margin, and he was another Trump candidate who was running. Um, it's very, very misleading. Now, if you look at the map of Pennsylvania, you'll see itty bitty dots of blue and huge patches of red, but it wasn't enough to pull Doug Mastriano out of the abyss. So that's why it's good to talk to a wide variety of people to see what the hell is actually going on and to see who is actually voting. That's also very mm -hmm. important. You know, growing up around here, um, there were a couple, I mean, at least in our family, we didn't discuss politics or religion. That was considered mm -hmm. like, and it's wild as I, as I've gotten older over the decades, uh, people have become more open, especially with social media about talking about their political ideations and affiliations. Um, but, you know, I, growing up, I never um, knew the difference between the two parties. And, and, and when I was a young man from 18 to my 30s, I was registered Democrat, you know, so it, it just goes to show that even uh, these political parties, their ide ideas can change as well, because right. or or maybe it's because I'm like, well, I'm 30 time to become a Republican. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, yeah, but let me point something else out, and that is that um, usually the um, the party that is in power loses a large number of seats during a midterm. 
So this midterm was historic. Um, I think Obama lost something like 63 seats. Clinton lost a lot of seats. I think in the first one, it was the Republican tsunami of 94. And I think that there were like 74 Republicans that came in. Uh, but there were a lot of other factors, too. Um, a general sense that the incumbents had been there for too long. There were some scandals that people didn't appreciate. Um, but in this case, we're not seeing those numbers. It is incredible. And that's because this is not the same Republican Party. This is not the Republican Party of Newt Gingrich or um, John Boehner or any of those guys. This is Trump's Republican Party. And what we're seeing is people are less likely to pick out a candidate in favor of a more MAGA candidate. And I know some people aren't going to like hearing that, but that's just numerically factual. That's what we saw last night. And that's why the Republican Party has a lot to think about going forward into 2024. And I hope I hope going forward, now that we have this voter base getting older since since Trump was elected, that people realize that there are extremists on both sides of the aisle. Right. Um, I'm, I, that's one thing I really hope, because there's a big division in the country and it shows by this midterm. And I really hope that people can start understanding that, you know, one doesn't define the other. Mm -hmm. I just turn my notifications off and my phone just hates me. It's like, nah. See? There you go. <laughs> Sorry, I'm about to have a nervous breakdown, y'all. There we go. All right. Nervous glad, breakdown averted. I'm glad you mentioned that, though, about the extremism on both sides, because I can tell you that um, driving uh, back this last time, um, I did my usual stint of pulling over at the gas stations and the coffee shops and here, there and everywhere. And I would chit chat with the women who were working there behind the counter whatever, ringing up at the register. And I can tell you that the rage, and this is not the first time I've heard this, by the way, the rage that I am hearing from women um, who were absolutely furious about um, Joe Biden sitting down with Dylan Mulvaney, uh, yeah. the individual who claims to be a woman, who is an actor, I think that we need to point out, who was mm -hmm. doing this shtick on TikTok and um, apparently decided, wow, I've gotten a million dollars in endorsements. I think that I'm going to continue and I'm going to keep on tripling down. When Biden gave him an audience and women saw that, leading up to election day, by the way, the worst timing imaginable, um, women are angry and it doesn't matter the education level. It doesn't matter where they live. It doesn't matter what they do for a living. Women saw that as a direct threat and a direct slap in the face. Mm -hmm. And it makes me wonder who at the White House thought that this would be a good idea <laughs> because it now granted the women that I was speaking to were all over the age of 40. This was probably done to pander to Gen Z and millennial voters, is my guess. However, it really made the people who actually go and vote extremely angry. And when I look at the Democratic Party and I ask myself, who is going to run in 2024? I cannot come up with a single name. And I have been here in D.C. all my life. I cannot come up with one person. Um, I just don't know. I yeah, don't know. The whole TikTok TikToker going to the White House that was absurd, right? Um, if he was going to, if he wanted to address women issues or any issues, he should have had a woman. Somebody. This dude is literally. It's an Andy Kaufman skit. Exactly. Yeah. And and he's going to blow the lid off of it one day, and everybody's going to look very dumb. That's right. That's right. I don't know how long it's going to take, though, because like I said, this guy is raking in endorsements and sponsorships like like nobody's business. It's incredible yeah. what he's gotten away with. Um, and it's it's completely fraudulent. It's it's so patently and obviously absurd. It is. Um, but the fact that he made it into the White House to sit down to talk to Biden is absolutely incredible. And the fact that the White House did not see how bad that visual was. Again, 
how bad it is for people who actually vote. Now, I don't know. I don't have the numbers with me on how many young people voted this time around. I think that they may have been quite energized, not Obama levels, but they were they they did turn out to vote. But I don't think that it's worth risking a stable voter base to appeal to a large group of people who probably will not vote. That's the thing that that I just don't understand. Yeah, that was a really dumb move because, like you said, he was catering to a demographic that doesn't even vote. And if they do, it's small numbers. Because I remember being as a young man, we were too busy smoking pot and trying to get laid to go out and vote. Right. So I don't know what kids are doing these days. But I'm sure I'm assuming things haven't changed with the with the amount of teen parents we have running around. So. Mm-hmm. Actually, Negs, I think that you may be wrong about that. Maybe that's the deal in Indiana. But one of the things that's come up in poll after poll is that the younger generation, um, well, nightclubs are dead in the water. Nobody's going to clubs anymore. They are the most um, abstinent generation in history in, in terms of polling. Um, they are <laughs> liars. Very, extremely undersexed. <laughs> They're liars. Uh, I don't know, Negs. They spend well, a I mean- lot of time on social media. If you're, well, I mean, the, the amount of confusions they have, they probably don't know what to do with what they got. Mm-hmm. So, like, what do I do? TikTok told me this. I don't know. Right. I don't know. I, I, I just think that, um, I think that the, one of the sad things that I've noticed, and I've noticed this across the board, is that you can really tell at what point schools stop teaching civics. Like I I talk to people who have absolutely no idea of the division in government. They don't understand um, the importance of reaching out to people who don't think the way you do and just having conversations and trying to come to some kind of an agreement or not an agreement, but not killing each other, I think would be the best. Um, They don't understand the process of negotiation. They don't understand that every disagreement does not automatically mean bad intent. Um, And every disagreement doesn't need to be met with an insult or an accusation of being an ist or a phobe of some kind. Oh, man. You know, and it's really, it's really troubling. It's really, really scary. Um, And you see that here in D.C. You see that on the Hill all the time. That's why shit can't get done. Uh, you yeah. don't have that kind of cooperation anymore the way you used to. Yeah, it, when I was younger, it wasn't hip to call everybody Istanobes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, I don't know. The, 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 I, the only one I ever heard come up was homophobe. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, okay. But yeah, like the whole, ah, you're this and that and everything in between. Yeah, we didn't do that. We just said I didn't like you and punched you in the mouth. Right. Right. Then go to well, TikTok and do a little dance to it and change my gender and then come deal with you. Well, I'll give I'll tell you something, Negs. Uh, this goes back to a conversation that took place recently. I, you'll probably remember which one. Um, but I had a chat with a journalist um, earlier today that was really insightful, like super, super insightful, which which was um, it was regarding gas prices. Um, Thank you, Terry Coleman. Uh, For those of you listening to the replay, one of our listeners just gave us a contribution. Thank you, Terry, very much. That's very generous. Thank you. So the question was, it was a question about gas prices. And um, this journalist who has extensive knowledge of the Middle East was saying that he was absolutely appalled and shocked that um, Biden had to go hat in hand to the Saudi king to beg for the oil prices to come down, um, considering that one of ours was murdered by the Saudis in in an embassy, um, cut to pieces and buried, and nothing was ever done about it. Uh, Trump made a lot of effort to cover up that horrible crime, never held the Saudis accountable. So that's bad enough. But now you have a situation where the gas prices are sky high. You've got inflation, which is sky high. And his and my friends. Um, oh, I just lost eggs again. So my friend's contention was 
Um, how is it possible? How is it possible that when Biden went to Saudi Arabia to have this conversation with the Saudis, why did he not play hardball? Why didn't he threaten the Saudis and say, no more arms deals, we're pulling all of our troops out of Saudi Arabia and we're going to reassign them to the Emirates until you people stop fucking around and you lower the gas prices. Um, and his contention was, we pull American troops out of Saudi Arabia that are there to keep stability in the country. The suicide bombings are going to go off the chain. And the Saudis will lower the gas prices to a dollar a gallon by the end of the week. Um, obviously, he was being hyperbolic. But what I'm saying is that um, he could not, he just couldn't understand this show of weakness. You know, he was like, this is, this is a no-brainer. You know, because he said America has the advantage. Yes, the Saudis have the oil, but the Saudis cannot protect themselves. So you withdraw that protection or you say you're going to and the Saudis will find a way to lower those oil prices. So I just thought that that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, they should just, you know, like you said, I mean, because if we don't protect them, Iran or Iran just going to mud stomp them, right? Right. Well, so. well, listen, there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of division inside of Saudi society. The only reason that Saudi Arabia has allowed those clerics to run amok um, is because Saudi Arabia is the location of two of Islam's holiest sites. The other one is Jerusalem. Oh, and boy. so the Saudis, um, the Saudis make a lot of money because of the Hajj because of Mecca and then of course Medina. And so they've allowed the clerics to have um, an inordinate amount of power in return, in exchange for keeping the royal family in place. Um, and what a deal. at the same time, at the same time, there are elements in Saudi society that are sick to death of living in such a constrictive, such a restrictive, such a suffocating society. And there are also a lot of people, uh, a lot of religious extremists who make those clerics look like uh, look like schoolgirls by comparison. And there have been attacks on Mecca. So the Saudis desperately need protection from their own people. And by the Saudis, oh. I mean the Saudi royal family, of course. Oh, for, oh, we'll just throw them a box of condoms and wish them well. We need to make you Secretary of State, Negs. Exactly. I would clean up the world overnight or force <laughs> us into spiraling into World War III. Pick one. <laughs> one and the same, in my opinion. But that was one of the biggest criticisms. Like, we were talking about how it's incredible that Biden is unpopular, inflation is high, gas prices are high, everything was going against him, and it looked looked like it was going to be a route and it didn't happen. And I keep on returning to this. And the reason the red wave turned into a red, red mirage was because the Republican Party allowed Trump to take control of something that he does not understand. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of reckoning for the next two years. I don't know what the hell they're going to do about it. But when you cannot beat a weak president and a weak DNC chair at their own game, you got a problem, <laughs> you know? Right. You need to sit down and think about what you did. Well, I guess uh, they'll just have to pucker up and cope. Or whoever's puckering up and coping. I've been puckering up and coping for two years, so <laughs> my glutes are firm. Are they? Well, you're going to have two more years to keep on doing so. Jesus, I'm not going to have, it's just going to be, I'm not going to have an ass. It's <laughs> going to be a crushed pelvis from all the puckering. I'm afraid that uh, we're both going to be disappointed in 2024, Negs. I don't think your man DeSantis is going to run. Uh, <laughs> and so we're both going to be left with the measles and the mumps, I'm afraid. Yeah, I'll just throw Trump my vote. No big deal. Mm. Don't burn my house down. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to help him lose, okay? It's, <laughs> you do something, you burn somebody's house down, then everybody's like, I'm going to vote for Trump too, motherfucker. 
can I just tell you, honestly, does it really matter? You're in Indiana and I will be in Indiana by then. It doesn't matter. I mean, I think that the results of the state are a foregone conclusion. You know what I mean? Right. The red state, the end. Yep. We'll be forever. We love our, uh, we love our Bibles and myth. Leave us mm -hmm. alone. And our guns. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that uh, one of the things that I want to do when um, when I get back out there, I need to go around and talk to some farmers. Um, I know a few. Because <laughs> I got to tell you, the two groups of people that baffled me um, were the coal miners and the farmers. Uh, they were two groups that got completely and totally fucked over by the Trump administration. But the loyalty uh, that these groups have to him is incredible. Absolutely amazing. I mean, people say all the time, oh, well, you know, look at this particular demographic. They're, uh, they're so uh, in the thrall of the Democratic Party, they can't think for themselves. I would say that there are there are other pockets of people who are so enamored of Trump, so part of that cult that they can't they they can't see that there is a direct correlation between what happens in Washington under his under his watch mm -hmm. and what is happening in their home. It, it's yeah. just amazing to me. Absolutely amazing to me. I think they're just taking the man on his word. Mm hmm. You know, that's it with, with when it comes to Trump because he's he's a con man. <laughs> right. I mean, most all politicians are. Let's be really. Let's of be course, real. Because yeah. where does con man derive from? It derives from confidence. And that's what they do. They get your confidence. And then they screw you over. Right. Right. Amazing, though. I mean, I'm serious when I tell you that when I talk to that guy and I talk to the other people in Butcher Holler and they were still convinced that the jobs were coming back, which they weren't. Um, and even though Trump had been in office for four years, um, they were saying that uh, the reason that he couldn't get anything done was because of Barack Obama. Barack Obama, who was not the president. Uh, <laughs> they blamed Barack Obama and they blamed Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. And I was asking people, well, but what about Trump. I mean, he came, he put on that hard hat. He said the jobs were coming back and they never came back. So does he have any blame? And they said, no, no, no. Uh, he, he couldn't get anything done because of these other two who were no longer in public life. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, that still goes on. I hear I was having a conversation one day about something completely unrelated. And somebody was like, big trip. And I just <laughs> left the conversation. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> Not doing this. <laughs> like, I, I don't see I'll... Trump around. Who do you? <laughs> I'm just looking around. Right. I also want to remind all the people in the audience who are holding out hope for Trump. And I, I have no doubt that he's running. I mean, why the hell not at this point? Apparently, he's figured out some scheme to put off repaying his debt until 2028. What a convenient year to have to repay your debt. How interesting that that's four years after 2024. Maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist. Maybe I'm just too suspicious by nature. I'm just saying. Um, but um, what I would like to remind people is that Trump has never won the popular vote. I, I just think everybody needs to remember that. The win in 20, the win in 2016 um, even Trump couldn't believe that he won. And that came down to the Electoral College. It could happen again. He may win the popular vote next time. He may win a decisive victory in the Electoral College. I have no way of knowing, obviously. I'm just saying that for all these people who are surrounded by like-minded people, everybody who thinks exactly the same way as they do, well, of course he's going to win. Well, I don't know. He might not. I'm just I'm just reminding everybody. Yeah, or you guys could just go vote and write in negs. Just do that. Just write in negs for prez. Come on. Me and John Cougar, me and John Cougar menstrual cramp. We can we'll run a tight office. Come on. Hey, he's all right. He's okay by me. 
Yeah, he's okay, I guess. I mean, he did write, was it Pink Houses? Yeah. I'll tell I, you I'll what, though. I'll have to take you by an actual pink house. It's unless they painted it. It's exactly the same color as Pepto Bismol. Nice, mm -hmm. nice. Well, I can tell you that when I go to the gym, like I go to the gym usually when I'm disciplined. I go to the gym twice a day, and I look out the window at the railroad tracks, and I see a lot of Jack and Diane's walking around in Nags's small town. I can see where he got the inspiration for that song. I have never in my life seen anybody sucking on a chili dog, though. I have oh, never no. seen them. <laughs> what the hell do you mean, John? What kind of party were you at? <laughs> I've been to parties. I mean, I guess you could call Never mind. I'm going to save that for my podcast. This isn't that type of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you could catch my podcast at negslive.com. Just a little plug there. That's great. I'm going to stick that link in the description box uh, when this is over. Um, I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be packing the description box when this is over. You can go there for membership information. You can go there for our cash apps, our PayPals, all the information that you need. You can get the information. Next, why don't you shout out your uh, shout out again, your Patreon. All right. You can go to thenegativenation.com. That will direct you to my Patreon, which should be patreon.com forward slash N-E-G-Z-L-I-V-E, to which you can pay $10 a month. And join me in the very exclusive, excuse me, I was I was helping Fetterman during his campaign. You could join the very exclusive Discord server where you can have direct access to me. Um, that just in words, you don't get to actually, you know, take hairs and try to clone me or anything. You can also go to negslive.com where my podcast will be premiering today. I'm going to be recording the first episode today. So That's great. That's great. We're going to be a two podcast family. That's right. I have, All right, I have retired from my previous venture. That's right. Now we are going back to the good old days. For those of you who do not remember the good old days when Negs used to do, was it negative talk radio? Is that what it was called? Yeah, that's uh, the 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 podcast is called Negs Live, but basically the show is Negative Talk Radio. I mean, that's right, that's right. And for those of you who weren't around back then, I used to be a huge fan of Negs's radio show. I used to listen to it every single day until he got a little bit too Trumpy and I left. <laughs> but every now and then, I would poke my nose in, or I would put on my earphones and listen to what he was saying because I love listening to Negs. Um, when he is just talking about whatever it is that he's talking about. Negs is a fantastic talker. He's one of the best. So please do tune in to Negs' podcast. It's going to be a fun time. Thank you very much. All right, you guys. Thank you all so much. We will see you next week at the same time. And I will be back in Indiana for that podcast. So thank you guys so much. And we will see you the next time. Bye, everybody.